Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah, number 932. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. So, what I wanted to talk about today was, of course we know in the coming parashios, and we have them taking a lot of weeks, Chuma, Tetzava, Vayakal, Pekude, the building, the construction of the Mishkan, and of course the corollary, the parallel of building the Mishkan is, of course, the Va'asuli Mikdash V'Shachanti B'Socham, I will make a Mikdash, I will dwell within them, I will dwell in the people, and amongst the people, that applies as well to our Mikdash Ma'at, those small little things that we build that we call shuls. We call them synagogues. Now, of course, the Sefer HaChinuch explains that the point of the Beis HaMikdash was Kilomar Shaniyim Akriven Shem Karbanosav, a love, we should bring Karbanos, V'Sham Regel, the Kibbutz Kal Yisrael B'Chol Shana, and this would be the place that we would go up and, and come to multiple times a year, and this is a very important, very major mitzvah. Shuls are the anchor that is the middle, the hub, of our communities as well. The idea that a shul is just the same, that it is this Mikdash Ma'at, is illustrated in the Zohar, talks about how beloved are the Jewish people before the Jew, before God, wherever we go, God is amongst us. And the Gemara Brachos talks about this at length, the idea, wherever we mention God's name, we have this ability to be amongst God, we have the ability to connect to the Shekhinah. And so, being that that's the case, the Zohar says, We have to build our little Beis HaMikdash over here. We need to build our Beis HaMikdash irrespective of the existence of this larger, of course, Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. The Tosefta tells us the halacha is that we can force each other, city people can force and tax others to be able to build a shul, and this is the halacha psuka in Shulchan Arach. Others understand that the language of the Menorah's Hama'or, for example, it's such a beautiful thing to be involved in, he calls it Oseik Ba'oro Shel Olam, building this Mikdash Me'at, building this focus, this hub, this center of Jewish practice, of Jewish tradition in a city, is a very deeply significant thing. It is like the light of the world. Now the idea, once you're building the shul, so it should be nice, so the Zohar says this as well. Once you're building a shul, the Zohar says, The shul should be very pretty, very nice, and have all the most wonderful and new things that a building should have. Okay, so that's what the Zohar says. It's a very interesting halacha, a very particular halacha that comes in the construction of shuls that I want to share with you. And, uh, you know, usually we have a lot of halachas that pertain to how we behave in a shul. And so, of course, because a shul is kadosh, it's holy, so we behave a certain way in the shul. And of course, because we behave a certain way in the shul, so it really gives us that message that it's holy. But, right, the holiness is usually first. This uh, is a very interesting halacha. The halacha is Amarav Bar Machsi, Amarav Chama Bar Gri, Amarav, Tukmar and Shabbos, Tafyid Aleph. So it's ultimately quoting Rav, Kol Ir Shagago Seho Gavoim, Nibes HaKneses, Lesof Charva. Any city, Shagago Seha, where its roofs are taller than its shul, the Sof Charva, will ultimately be destroyed because of, I guess, the, the contempt that's shown to the synagogue. Shanemran quotes a pasuk, This is only true of houses that are higher, but things like towers and, and different uh, poles that come out of houses that might be taller, less lanba, that's not an issue. 
Okay, so we have this interesting halacha that a shul has to be the tallest thing, or specifically the gag of the shul, the roof of the shul needs to be tallest. And there are a lot of different reasons as to why this might be. Might it be because people are going to be using the airspace higher than the shul for inappropriate things, um, in which case uh, the shul should be the highest, or is it that, no, the shul should just be the highest point in in the community. If you're going to build a community, the shul should be the highest point. Everybody should be looking towards that community. It's probably an interesting historical question as to when the idea of spires or these uh, these very tall buildings that, that, that you definitely have this in other houses of worship of other faiths where the building is the tallest building. It's meant to be the tallest building. And, and it's somewhat interesting that the Gemara seems to exclude, according to one interpretation at least, the Kashkushi of Evrure, these little things that sort of come and point up, which aren't technically the roof, uh, those wouldn't count. But I wonder how this relates to the historical origin of certain buildings being the tallest and others being uh, not not being allowed to be taller than those. So here we have this halacha that it has to be the tallest. So interesting, the Lakuti halachos tells us that there's obviously some some symbolism here. The idea is we, we have to understand that our bias we say in Tehillim, you know, our biases are sort of our, our self-esteem, our financial security, where, where we're, you know, our home, our house, is our physical place in the world. And our physical place, and how it's judged, specifically how we judge ourselves, we look at the house very, very much. So he says we have to make sure that our house, our specific home, forget about community planning, but we cannot have it that our home, on an individual basis, it can't be that our home is more important than our shul. That we want to, God forbid, put our personal honor above that of the shul. The only reason I'm building a shul is to have it there, but it's going to be uh, subjugated, it's going to be subdued underneath where my home is. He says, that's like what happened back in the day in the Migdal Bavel, in the Tower of Bavel. They wanted to build their tower for that reason, to subdue everything else around them. He says, uh, that is the symbolism in this halacha. This halacha, indeed, is is actually found in Shulchan Aracha. The Rambam, of course, adds the idea that not only should you build it, the roof taller than any of the other roofs, but you should also build it on the highest spot. Now, again, this is all assuming that this is possible. Of course, nowadays, although this halacha is indeed found in Shulchan Aruch, the Mishra Brewer tells us, you know, you do what you can. Uh, he says, There are places who, you know, you just can't, you can't make sure this this happens. There are a lot of houses of worship of, of alternative faiths that are taller than shuls. It's hard because we're not the tallest one in the neighborhood, so you're not going to notice us anyway. So, you know, you can't necessarily put it at the highest point. When we call Malcolm, he says, You should try to the extent possible, because this is considered to be a very strict thing, so to the extent possible, you should. Now, it's also interesting that it's also the roof, right? This is an external, exterior experience. It's not covered that we put to a shul or that we give to a shul when we're in the shul. It is covered that we, everywhere standing in the neighborhood, can see that we have this tall roof. Right? It doesn't even say that the shul has to be tall. You don't have to put the shul uh, high up in the sky, but that the roof of the building that the shul is in should be very high. And perhaps also that there shouldn't be anything on top of it. This question is asked practically if, let's say, you have an apartment building, should the shul be in the penthouse? Or must the shul be in the penthouse? 
because of this idea. Now, on the one hand, we said that the Zohar says you got to put a lot of money and beauty into shuls, and we have this halacha specifically that the shul has to be the tallest thing in the community. But there's a very interesting Gemara, uh, which it sort, sort of puts this all in check. I want to share it with you. It's a Yerushalmi at the end of Peah. It tells a story. Reb Chamer Bar Chanina and Reb Hoshea were strolling among the synagogues of Lod. And apparently these synagogues were very, very nice. And also apparently they were concentrated in one area. So he said to him, How much money have my fathers expended here? He was complaining. He said, look how much money they spent on these shoals. It seems ridiculous. How many lives your father has expended here? Fully critical. He says, Were there no people who needed that money to go and delve into Torah study? And he seems very critical of having spent so much money on these shuls. Now, in truth, there, of course, is always a discussion, a very wide discussion, about how much is appropriate to spend. There are always discussions about priorities in Staka. Who am I supposed to give to the poor first? Uh, which, which type of people are considered to be the poor? But here we have a very interesting halachic debate about how exactly we apportion Staka funds when it comes to the building of shuls. It seems there's some level of criticism over here that's put towards maybe the over-fancification of these particular shuls, then even though we might say that, I don't know, there's no such thing as too much, it's like the Beis HaMikdash, it's something which, you know, we have to put money towards, everything needs to be kept in check. Even the money you're going to spend in shuls, you have to be wise about making sure that that money is used towards the wisest ends and not uh, ignoring or overlooking more important gifts to those who really desperately need it. So altogether, there's a balance where the shul has to be very, very important, very, very beautiful, very, very high up, very significant and symbolic, but at the same time, a reasonable expenditure and something which can be justified in the face of other needs as well. Have a great day.